0: You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode 68 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. What's cracking? So I met somebody today that I've been eager to meet and pumped to introduce you to for quite some time. A straight-up star, one of the most dynamic, energetic young leaders that I've ever had a chance to chop it up with. Like I'm 20 years his senior. And I can't tell you how much better I am for having spent roughly 40 minutes with Jordan Montgomery on today's pod. And I know you will feel the same way if you're my age, if you're his age, if you're 20 years younger than him and you're my son Logan's age. That's how strong and how widespread Jordan's message is. It travels across generations. So does his energy and sense of urgency. But it's a sense of urgency born from positivity and faith, not desperation and malice. Remember, there is plenty to go around. So come from a place of abundance, not scarcity. And my dude is absolutely locked in, on point, and prepared to drop some life-changing bombs on you. And that's coming up momentarily. Now, first, a couple of things I've been thinking about this week. Number one, everything good really is on the other side of hard. Everything good is on the other side of hard. I guarantee if you dealt with something that sucked today, attacked it head on, and got over, it was a good day. And if you didn't embrace the suck, and instead of running to the train, you ran away from it and didn't encounter anything hard, you had a bad day. Now, you might not think so, but trust me, you did. Everything good is on the other side of hard. And if you went out and you dominated the hard tasks, you absolutely grew some today. But if you didn't encounter anything hard, it's because you ran from it and therefore a piece of you died today. Hard isn't hard to find. Make sure you find it every single day because it is a straight fact. Everything good really is on the other side of hard. Now, I don't know about you, but with one recent college graduate and a high school graduate as well, my wife Janet and I are soon to be empty nesters, and it's a little strange. Again, we've been talking quite a bit lately about long days, short years, long days, short years. You look up and bam, 20 years are gone, and you wonder how the hell did that even happen? So at a time when people are asking me if I'm looking to slow down and take my foot off the gas, I'm actually looking to double down. I'm looking to find my new normal. I'm looking to prove that not only am I still that guy and still about that life, but I'm better. I'm better because I'm not looking to do the same things I've been doing for the past 10 years, the same things creatively, professionally, and personally. I'm looking to get a hell of a lot more comfortable being uncomfortable, and I'm really eager to see exactly what the next chapter of my life, our life, holds. And not just eager to see what it looks like, but eager to ensure that it's better than it's ever been before, because I know I'm wiser, I know I'm more grateful, and I've got greater perspective. And most importantly, because it is a choice. It's a choice. Something that I'm going to get into right now with today's guest. Again, Jordan Montgomery is one of the most impressive, sharper individuals that I've come across since I started this quest and this podcast. This is just a different dude with a different mindset and a different approach. Somebody you want to know, somebody you want to spend time with because he's the type of person that leaves you wanting to be more and do better like all great leaders do. It's episode 68 of The Reinvention Project with my guest, Jordan Montgomery, and it's coming at you right now. So, Jordan, one of the things about being in this space is we share a lot of the same friends, even though we're all in different parts of the country. We do move in similar circles. So, whereas you and I have never met before, not surprisingly, it was one of our mutual friends who put us together former NFLer turned author, podcaster, and motivational speaker, Eric Wood, who said, Dude, you have to talk to my guy, Jordan Montgomery, on your reinvention project pod. I said, My guy, trust me, he's already on the list. So, Jordan, it is great to meet you. What What's going on how you doing brother
1: hey jim thank you for having me man uh listen i've been following your work for a long time i love uh the influence you have i love the way that you treat people i'm a huge fan of eric wood and I know we have mutual friends in common with John Gordon and David Nurse. And I love all of those guys, and I'm glad they brought us together. So good to be with you, my brother.
0: Yeah, I feel the same exact way. I feel the same way about all those guys, and I'm really glad to have this opportunity as well. You know, Jordan, I'm going to jump right into this because you are a performance coach. You're an extremely dynamic speaker. You work with corporations, athletes, teams, churches, achievers of all types. Now, what I find interesting in this space, sometimes there's no shortage of people preaching the importance of overcoming adversity, turning a Matrix set back into an even bigger comeback. Yet, curiously, they've never actually had to do that before. Curious to me. Now, you, on the other hand, were killing the game as a fast riser in the business early in life, only to have your life turned upside down and seemingly overnight. In fact, Jordan, you said it yourself. You went from the penthouse to the outhouse. What exactly happened? Can you take me back to that time?
1: Yeah, I'll share with you the story, Jim. I was, uh, you know, in my 20s. Um, I had grown a great business inside the financial services business. I went to the University of Iowa, came out of school, and I was just a grinder. I worked really hard. Uh, I put in the 12 to 14-hour days. I worked usually six, seven days a week. And uh, through my 20s, I had a lot of impact, made a lot of money. But the business quickly became my life. And so I turned 27. Again, I'm in sort of the proverbial penthouse. I'm leading inside of a Fortune 100 firm. I'm flying to a different office every week to teach, train, speak, and uh, I I sort of thought I had life by the tail. But if you would have known me then, Jim, you would have said, this is a young man who is overexposed and underdeveloped. In other words, my character wasn't keeping pace with my influence. And I knew my goals, those were really clear. I just didn't really understand my values. And so I'm running really fast in pursuit of all of these things that I thought mattered at the time. So... Money, status, reputation, achievement. I mean, that was just the thing that I was living for. And it was the thing that was really controlling me from the inside out. Until one day, April 1st, 2015, I get a call from my supervisor. He says, Jordan, we need to meet. And I was so naive at the time that I thought he was actually calling me about somebody else. Like somebody on my team made a mistake. It couldn't be me. I said, listen, um, I'm going to have to meet a different day. I got a lot going on. Maybe we could move uh, our meeting to like tomorrow. He said, hey, this is a kind of meeting where you move everything. I need to see you today. I would prefer to see you as soon as possible. So I walk into his office, Jim, a few hours later, and I'll, I'll never forget the first words out of his mouth. He said, uh, Jordan, you haven't been malicious or intentional, but you've been careless and casual. And when you're casual, you create casualties. And today you are the casualty. Hmm. This will be your last day with our firm. And just like that, everything changed. Matter of fact, I was building a house. I was involved in some real estate projects. I was scheduled to be the closing speaker at our big annual conference. All of it went away in a matter of seconds. And what had happened, Jim, is there was somebody on my team that took a test on my behalf. I didn't report it like I should have. And I just wasn't a young person who was dotting the I's, crossing the T's. Again, didn't have a malicious spirit, but I had a casual spirit. And I was just running too fast. And good on my leader that he slowed me down to say, I don't trust you. I'm not familiar with your character. And at this point, I think we need to part ways. Ultimately, Jim, that hurt really bad. I thought it was really unfair. I felt like I paid a very serious price for a fairly small infraction, but God used every bit of it. He reoriented my life and put me on a different path. So I'll pause the story there, but that's ultimately what I went through in my early twenties. And, um, Man, God used it to shape and change my life.
0: It it is an amazing story. I'm so glad, Jordan, that that's exactly where we started. So let me ask you this, and we can get into exactly what changes you made, how you reframed that, but I'm curious, in that moment, and you felt like you had been wronged, but what's it feel like when you, in your words, are overexposed, underdeveloped, and you have your entire identity ripped from you like that? What was that like in that moment or in those ensuing days?
1: Well, the first thing is, Jim, like the shame sets in, you know, just intense shame because my identity was in this thing. I mean, this was the thing that I was living for. It's the thing that I was known for. It was my work and my business. And all of a sudden it was taken away. So intense shame, um, man, a lot of anxiety Uh, for a long period of time, about 30 days. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back with that firm or any firm until a guy by the name of Tim Bohannon. Uh, Gives me a call and says, Hey, you can come work for me. So I actually got rehired, Jim, by the same firm, but I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota, new city, didn't know anybody. The old managing partner actually kept my clients. So I was starting from like ground zero, right? Like I had essentially lost my business. Again, I was involved in some real estate deals. All the deals went sideways because of my employment status. So I didn't just lose my job and my influence. Jim, I lost literally almost all of my money and was now standing on the doorstep of bankruptcy.
0: So with Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Well, the Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected packages. Go online to omahasteaks.com and get 30 bucks off when you use my name, Jim Rome, as the promo code at checkout. Packages can include fork tender, bacon-wrapped filet mignons, or gourmet grillables like the air-chilled boneless chicken breast burgers, jumbo frank and many more favorites and do not forget to save room for dessert most gift packages come with four delicious caramel apple tartlets also check out the other hand-selected packages that are guaranteed to make dad's day because if there is one thing we know it's that dad wants steak whether he's your father father-in-law or father figure. He is the guy who was always ready to step up when you needed him most. So this Father's Day, show him love with the only gift that's as unforgettable as he is, the the mouth-watering perfection of Omaha Steaks. From perfectly aged, oh-so-tender steaks to hand-selected gift packages, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to give dad exactly what he wants. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Jim Rome, no space, between Jim and Rome in the search bar to order the dad's favorite grill pack today for only $99.99. It's incredible. Plus, get eight free burgers with your order. Once again, OmahaStakes.com. Type in Jim Rome.
1: So I didn't go bankrupt. Tim steps in. He says, hey, you can come work for me. I'm going to give you a corner office, but here's the deal. You're not going to speak. You're not going to train. You're not going to lead, and you're not going to influence. You're going to sit in that corner office, you're going to rebuild your business, and you're going to rebuild your life. And so, Jim, I would complain to Tim like day in and day out about how unfair my situation was, how I was treated. And uh, one day, about 30 days in, Tim says says this to me, sits me down, says, Okay, Jordan, I think I've listened well. And he had, like most good listeners, Tim had listened really well. But at about day 30 of spending time with Tim, Tim stopped me and he said, Jordan, there's a question you need to ask that will ultimately set you free and change your life. And and this is the question. The question is, what part of the problem is me? And I'm not sure you've asked that question yet. And and Jim, uh, Tim Bohannon was right. I had not asked that question. I had been blaming people. I had been pointing the finger. I had been talking about how I was mistreated without asking the question, what part of the problem is me? When Tim asked me that question, I actually got upset. Like, I was like, what do you mean part of the problem? I'm not part of the problem. And Tim said, no, you don't get it. Whether you're 5% of the problem or 95% of the problem, you are in fact part of the problem and you've got work to do. And so, Jim, I just went to work, man. I, um, for the first time in a long time, I started reading my Bible. I started praying. I started taking feedback from people. I started spending more time with my family and slowly but surely my life started to turn around. About 18 months into that journey of just putting my life back together, I met a gal named Ashley, who's my now wife. Uh, She had two children at the time. And I didn't know this, but when I was going through that heartbreak season, God was preparing me for my biggest leadership opportunity, which was being a dad, being a husband. And so um, I got to step into that family. Six months later, Ashley and I get married. My two oldest daughters today, their names are Audrey and Claire, and um, you know sometimes God's preparation for our lives is packaged as pain, and I didn't know it at the time, but the pain that I was feeling, the pain that I was going through and dealing with was preparing me for a really special opportunity in life to be a part of a family, lead two children and a wife. It
0: really is amazing, right, Jordan? Like, for instance, it's neither here nor there, but you wonder, had that other thing not happened, where would you be in this life? What would you be doing? Would you have that family? Would you have met that person? Would you have these children? Where would you be had that other thing not happened that seems so horrible in the moment?
1: Yeah, I think we go through tough stuff, Jim, and the natural reaction is to feel like we've been buried, right? Like, man, it's dark out. Like, I have no hope. I feel like I've been buried. I had a mentor remind me, said, Jordan, you haven't been buried. You've been planted. And we all go through tough stuff. You know, I think the opportunity is, to bounce back and figure out how you you can use your pain for good. And not just for me, Jim, not like for me just to put my life back together, but how can I use what I went through to influence and impact others? So we're busy doing that today. I have a real heart for people who are hurting, who are going through tough stuff. Uh, We teach vulnerability in the workplace. I work with a lot of young NFL and NBA athletes, guys who are tough. They've got it all figured out. And I just love getting real with those guys and helping them be vulnerable and real about the stuff that they're going through. And so you're right. um, It's been a unique story, but I can look back now and say, man, if that wouldn't have happened, my life would look so different.
0: Yeah. So Jordan, you said recently, quote, there is a war for talent in America right now. End of quote. Let me ask you about that. If you're an individual and you want to win that war, what is the best way to do that?
1: Jim, I just love, man, that you do your homework and you're so prepared. I mean, that's been a hallmark of your success for so many years. So thank you for your preparation. I just want to say that. I
0: appreciate There is a you. war on yeah. talent
1: in America right now. I mean, I, I think you see it uh, across all industries. You know, you see it in sports especially. Uh, but you see it with salespeople. You see it in the world of leadership. And I think at the end of the day, Jim, people want to be seen and they want to be known. I think the the most basic human need when it comes to our psyche is the need to be known. So the leaders right now that want to win the war on talent have to really start working on their soft skills, their emotional intelligence, the way they care for their people, the way they communicate with their people. I'll share with you just a quick study. It was in Forbes magazine conducted by a guy named Brett Steinbarger. And Brett Steinbarger went and interviewed a bunch of executive leaders who were in the talent business, right? These these leaders are trying to attract and develop talent. It's what they get paid to do. So he asked all these leaders, where do you think you need to grow in your development? These leaders came back with two top answers after being interviewed about their own development. The top two answers, number one was technology. I need to have a better understanding of technology. Number two was finances. I need to have a better understanding of the finances inside my organization. So for me to develop as a CEO, as an executive leader, I got to understand technology, and I got to understand finances. Brett and his team then went and interviewed the people who worked under these leaders. And they asked these people the question, where do you think your leader needs to grow in their development? Guess what they did not say? Anything about technology or or finances. finances. (laughs) right? Yeah, they didn't say anything about that. What did they say? They said, I want my leader to grow in their emotional intelligence. I want them to be more aware of how they're interacting with the world around them. And number two, I want them to grow in their communication. Those are the top two answers, emotional intelligence and communication. And so it gets back to how we make people feel. You know, I think Maya Angelou said it best. She said, people won't always remember what you said or what you did but they do remember and will remember the way that you made them feel.
0: Hmm. So you may have answered this already then with that, Jordan, but let me ask you this, because you work with a lot of young and upcoming leaders and they come up to you and they all want to know, what can I do to become more influential? What can I do to increase my opportunities? What is the one thing that I should focus on? What do you tell them?
1: Amazing question. This is my answer. If you want to grow in your influence and you're a young leader, I would really focus on your character, not your skill set, not your achievement, not your knowledge, your character. We always tell young leaders that character is built in the dark. This isn't an out front thing. So, again, it's not about your ideas, it's not about your concepts, it's not about your language, it's your character. So, your character is how you show up in the world, it's the effort that you give, it's the initiative that you take, it's how you treat people. It's going above and beyond the call of duty. It's choosing to serve. Like If you want to have influence that other people don't have, then you got to do things that other people don't do. And the reality is most young leaders don't want to do that. They want to ask the question like, hey, Jim, how can I get promoted? How do I make more money? The best way to get promoted is to bloom where you're planted and win where you're at. Do all that you have with all that you can and just win. Crush your current opportunity and treat that role like it's the last role that you'll ever have. Like Jim, I look at your success and here's what I know about you because I've studied your background. I've watched you for a long time. You have dominated at every role and at every turn. You've given all that you can with all that you have and you've won in every position and at every stage of life. And I think because of that, you've grown more influence. So again, for a young leader that wants to have more influence, I'd say focus on character. Character is built in the dark. And executive leaders or senior leaders might be impressed with your skill set, but they'll fall in love with your character.
0: Let me tell you about one of my favorite products of all time, a product that actually is life-changing. I'm talking about Element. Element is so critical, and it's critical to pretty much everybody. Even if you're not an athlete, you need to get your electrolytes. It is critical to replenish electrolytes. This can be done after having a few glasses of wine, or working out, or if you want to maintain an active lifestyle, but you have to have it. Element can help you. Element can do it for you. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't need. That means lots of salt, but no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. In other words, none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no filters, no BS. Element is formulated to help anybody with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. And I'm going to assume... That's most of you. I'll tell you what else has done for me. Not only am I now properly hydrated, what that means is I no longer have the headaches that I used to have. I sleep way better at night. I just feel much better since I started using Element. I'm a big cardio guy. I like to sweat it out. But when you sweat, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium. Athletes can lose up to 7 grams per day. And when sodium is not replaced, it is common to experience muscle cramps and fatigue. And believe me, I had some hellish muscle cramps. Not anymore. And right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com/rome. The deal is available only through my link. You've got to go to d r i n k l m n t dot com/rome. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash Rome. You know, I really appreciate, Jordan, what you said about me. Thank you so much for saying that. That is really, really high praise. And coming from you, that means the world to me. I love that notion of you build character in the dark. You also share a great story, Jordan, about Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and how they came together for the first time, and they were asked a series of questions so folks could gauge their perspective on a number of different issues. They were asked to describe the one word that led to their success, that was most prominent to their success, and interestingly, they said the same word at the same
1: time. What was that word? The word is focus. Bill Gates and Warren Buffett both used that word to describe their success. It said, I could use any word in the English language. What word would you use? And they said, focus. And when you think about super achievers, I'm always impressed to watch, Jim, not what super achievers do, but what they don't do. It's really not about all that they do. It's about the things that they stay away from. Mm. You know, I look at your life, and, you know, so much of your life has been defined by this word no. You got to say no to good things so you can say yes to great things. So I think learning to have a narrow focus and staying connected and committed to the top priorities in your life is the path forward. And you know, you could say different things about Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. And of course, I don't know them personally. Maybe there's some things in their life where they're sideways or they're not making the best decisions. I don't know that. But I can say from a business perspective, they have prioritized key things. There's certain things that they have kept at the top of their priority list that have allowed them to have extreme success.
0: So it's so interesting, Jordan. It's like focus and then focus over a long period of time. And then to your point, focus on the right things as opposed to the wrong things. As an example, let me ask you this, focusing on the wrong things, like take social media for, for example. Social media to me, Jordan, is so good in so many ways but so toxic in so many other ways. Toxic in that if you focus too intently, inevitably you're going to get sucked into the comparison game. In your opinion, how dangerous is it to constantly focus on what others are doing instead of what you yourself should be doing?
1: Quickest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And Craig Rochelle told me that. Like, Just be really careful about the comparison game. You know, and Jim, when you and I were growing up, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. But, you know, whatever generation you're in, if you're not a general Zer, like if you're not 28 years and younger, you're going to have a hard time connecting to this. I think we compared each other, you know, compared ourselves to other people. But I'm not sure we had the challenge that college students and high school students have today. Like people are entering the workforce today, Jim. they, They roll out of bed pick up their phone and immediately start comparing themselves to other people. It happens in a matter of seconds. They don't even have to get to the, to the workplace or to school before that starts to happen. Um, I was talking to a a pastor the other day at a parenting conference and somebody in the audience asked him said, uh, Hey, what advice would you give to young parents? If there's one piece of advice that you wanted to share with it, with a young parent about raising children, what would it be? And a pastor said, help, your children to become comfortable in their own skin because comparison is a killer and it's all around us. And we're most effective when we're most authentic. Jim, the way that you've decided to build your career, like I go back to, you know, the show that you had on ESPN, right? When Rome is burning and you were just different, man, you were, you were doing something that other people weren't doing. You were challenging people. Uh, You were willing to step into the gap. You were willing to maybe sometimes say the things that other people weren't willing to say. You were authentically you. And I think you were effective because you were authentic. So I think social media can be a great tool if leveraged the right way. But let me say this. um, Most people think they're building a brand on social media and they're really building a brochure. Like if the only thing you use social media for is to post pictures of yourself and communicate your content and you don't ever engage with anybody else then you don't have a brand, you have a brochure. If you're using social media to engage with people, to comment, to share, to highlight people, to promote people, to encourage people, then you've got a brand. It's a both and. It's okay to post your own stuff, but we got to make sure we're engaging with other people too. So um, again, Jim, you're doing a great job of that. I think social media can be a great tool if used the right way, but I do think we have to be very careful about the comparison trap.
0: I think that is a fascinating line, the one you just shared, that you want to be careful to build a brand and not a brochure. So Jordan, let me ask you something. Like You mentioned that if you come from a certain generation, I agree with you. Like I I had none of this, and I'm considerably older than you, but I had none of this coming up. There was no comparison like that because, frankly, there was not only no social media, there was no internet, but I'm going to ask you this. As somebody who I respect greatly and somebody who's considerably younger than me, you might find this interesting, but the reason I began this personal journey after having a Pretty good run as a broadcaster and making it into the Radio Hall of Fame back in 2019. I say that not to brag on myself, but I want to say that I deeply believe that even into my mid and late 50s, my best days, my best work, my best life should in fact be in front of me and not behind me. I believe this to be true. Now it's just a matter of figuring out how to make that a reality. So I'm gonna ask you. How do I go about doing that? How do I ensure that the next 25 years of my life are, in fact, my best 25 years? Now, you might say, well, define best. I think you know what I mean. My most creative, my most thoughtful, my most energetic, the most fulfilling.
1: This is a choice, Jim. I I really mean this, you know, for people listening. I think it's a choice to wake up and say, my future is going to be great. My best days are in front of me. And there's three questions that I would give to our audience. You know, if somebody's struggling to believe that, um, here's three questions to ask daily that I think will be helpful in identifying the good stuff in your life. Number one is, what am I proud of? What am I proud of? Number two is, what am I grateful for? And number three is, what am I excited about? We should always be grateful. We should always be proud. And we should always be excited. Um, The reality is, uh, our best days are in front of us. The past is the past. And, and I want to hang out with people like you, Jim, who believe that. Like, isn't it attractive to spend time with people who want to talk about the future? Um, Our friend Ed Milet unpacks that beautifully. He's like, I just want to spend time with future-focused people. And, you know, when I get around people like you, Jim, I tend to talk about the future. I tend to talk about events that I'm looking forward to, things that I'm working on, things that I'm I'm, I'm believing for and I'm looking forward to. And I'd want to hear the stuff that you're looking forward to. Like that's where our conversation would go. Right. If we sat down for lunch or grabbed a drink, like that's naturally what we would end up talking about. But if I see somebody maybe from back home and the small town that I'm from, there's a high school buddy too often, the conversation goes to the memories of the past. I want to get around people like you who are focused on the future. The most attractive people to spend time with are the people who are talking about the future. And if you want to create the future, talk about it. John Gordon says this, you can either listen to yourself or you can talk to yourself. Let's be proactive about creating the future through our words and through our expression. I'm believing that my future is going to be impactful, exciting, and awesome. And I'm believing the same thing for Jim Rome. And I think you believe that too.
0: Jordan, I love that. I love what you just said about John Gordon another mutual friend of ours, that you can either listen to yourself or talk to yourself. In fact, to that point, Jordan, like I mentioned off the top that you and I had never met until today, and we do sort of move in similar circles, and we know similar people. You know that phrase, you are who you roll with. So how much of your life, the quality of your life is determined by the people that you habitually associate with?
1: 100% of it. Wouldn't you agree, Jim? It's like 100% of who you become is your association and the people that you habitually associate with. Your association determines your destination. And it's true for every one of us, which is why we have to be extremely focused on and thoughtful about who we spend time with. Uh, I I think about it this way. Um, Jim, let me say this to maybe a young leader who's listening. There's a difference between being coachable and teachable because I think all of the, all of us know, right? Like this, this adage gets thrown around, like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Or, you know, your life will be defined by the books that you read and the friends that you have. Okay. I believe all that to be true, by the way. But I think we have a lot of young people pursuing relationships in the wrong way. And they, they think that maybe they're coachable, but they're actually teachable and they're not necessarily relational. So let me just let me just break that down for a young leader who's listening. Maybe you're somebody who wants to connect to Jim Rome. Like maybe you're listening to this right now and you're like, man, I would love to connect with Jim Rome. Like I'd love to get into communication and broadcasting and like, he's the goat in that space. Like, I wonder how I could make that work. Okay. Well, a teachable person would listen to your show. They would take your advice. They would take notes. And maybe they would even go implement the stuff that you talk about. Right. So like they're learning from your example, they're watching what you do, they're taking notes, they're taking your advice, and and they're even willing to implement. But they miss the single greatest opportunity, which is to share what they learned. Now, just because you share what you learned doesn't mean that you're going to get time with Jim Rome or that he's going to mentor you or spend time with you. So I know Jim's got a, a line of people who would love to spend time with him. So I'm not suggesting that just because you do this, you're going to get time with people. But I will say this. If you have a coachable spirit, you're not focused on the present. You're focused on the future. You're not focused on the content. You're focused on the conversation. In other words, I would get done learning from Jim, and I might email Jim or message Jim and say, Hey, Jim, here's the three things that I learned from you when you gave that talk or when I listened to your show. Hey, I listened to that show you know, that you did with Jordan Montgomery. Here's a few things that you said. And, man, I was really impressed by the way that you ask questions and how you carried yourself. And I want you to know that I'm implementing those things in my own journey and it's made a difference. And I'm just reaching out to say, thank you. By the way, if you'd ever have five minutes where I could ask you a couple of intentional questions, I would be so honored. And I also want to give you permission to say no because I know how busy you are and I will still be your biggest fan. Signed, Jordan Montgomery. That's a coachable person. Instead, though, how many times, Jim, do you get a message from somebody that says, Jim, I want to get into broadcasting. I'd love to pick your brain. Hey, Jim, if you have an hour to spare, I'd love to go to coffee, take a coffee and ask you some questions. And again, it's not like there's something wrong with that. Like the intent is good. But what I know about Jim Rome is Jim Rome doesn't have time for somebody to pick his brain. What you do have time for, what you might have time for out into the future is to provide value to the really thoughtful person who's proven that they're taking action and implementing the things that they've learned from you. So that's the spirit of a coachable person. If you want to grow a network, you want to get around the Jim Rome's of the world, start operating like that. And it might not be Jim. I don't know if it's, if it's John Gordon or Tony Robbins or Ed Mylett or David Nurse or whoever it is, but like, you're going to get time with some of these people because you show up with a coachable spirit. And, and I just wanted to share that for some of our young leaders who are listening.
0: hundred percent. I love that. That's gold. That's gold. That's gold, Jordan. I love that. And I love that because I know there are a lot of people my age that listen to this podcast, and there's a lot of people your age that listen to this podcast, but I've got a senior in high school. He just graduated. And even kids on the baseball team that he played for in high school would listen to the podcast. So there are definitely young leaders that need to hear that. You know, Jordan, I'm so fascinated. I've always been fascinated by, and when I went on Ed Milet's show for the first time, we talked about nature versus nurture i think you're a really unique individual but your background you know is very different than like we all have different backgrounds i'm really curious For you to be who you are, for you to have developed the mindset that you have, for you to pursue the kind of life of meaning and servitude that you have, I'm curious where you think it came from. You grew up in a small town. You were in Iowa. I mean, was it hammered into you? Did you find this on your own? Was it a natural curiosity? Were you hardwired for it? How did you start off and then how did you end up here?
1: Yeah. My dad was a blue collar business owner, Jim. My mom was a teacher. I grew up in small town, Iowa. It's actually the largest Amish community West of the Mississippi. So I'm a small town guy. I grew up in a really simple town with a fairly simple life, but there's one gift that my dad gave to me. And, um, he, he led me in my faith. He was an example to me when it came to faith. I mean, he, he really lived it out. Like I watched him love people well, treat people well, um, stay close to God. Like he prioritized faith. And so I knew from a really young age, like, man, if I keep faith at the center of my life, things can work out for me. And the other thing that my dad modeled for me, specifically my dad, uh, is is that family comes first. You know, my dad was a, s- a small business owner, but he always attended, like every one of my games. He didn't miss a game. He was present at every single one of my activities. So I think from a really young age, Jim, I had an example to follow somebody who loved people well, treated people well, and he was a guy that I wanted to be like. I think for those of us who are fortunate enough to be parents, the role of mom or dad is so unique because it's the only leadership role where we never get replaced. You know, like somebody else will be the broadcaster, the show host, the coach, the mentor, the speaker, the CEO, but but only you get to be mom or dad. And I think my dad took that very seriously, Jim. I think my dad loved being dad. I think he still loves being dad and he loves being grandpa. And he's just been an awesome example to me throughout my life. Uh, but faith has certainly been uh, a huge part of my life. It's been front and center for as long as I can remember. Doesn't mean that I've been perfect. I've screwed up uh, countless times in my life, but I've had something to fall back on, uh, which has been my belief in God in my faith. So I, I so much appreciate that question. And, um, you know, I've also been humbled, Jim. I think you can tell a person's been humbled in the early stages of a conversation. Like Jim, we've, we haven't spent a lot of time together. I know that you've been humbled and, um, and I don't even know the specifics of that, but I can just tell the ways in which you operate and how you treat people tells me that you've been through some stuff. And, and I also want to draw attention to this. I want, I want young leaders especially to hear this. You're jumping on this show with a guy you've never met when you are in the prime of your career. You didn't need to prepare for this show for it to go really well. I think when you've been through stuff and you've been humbled, you see every conversation and every interaction as a gift and as an opportunity. John Maxwell says it like this, you can wing it or you can work for it. Jen, the, the reality is you could have stepped into this conversation and and you could have decided, "Hey, I'm going to wing it," and nobody would have ever known. It would still be a great conversation. It would have gone really well and we would have got off the call and been friends and it would all be fine. But instead, you decided to work at it. And and you got you got in you got onto this call, you did your research, you prepared. I can tell, man, you know about my story. You know specific things that I've shared things that I've posted, things that I've done. And I don't care how you got that information. That's unique, man, for somebody who's in the prime of their career to say, I'm not going to wing it. I'm going to work for it. I'm going to see this opportunity. I'm going to see this conversation as an opportunity and a gift. And I just really respect that. And I appreciate that about you.
0: You know, I appreciate you saying that, Jordan. It's all true. And I would add to this, and I know you know this, but as we know, Preparation breeds confidence. Number two, I always felt, and I've said this, I'm on record with this, I don't really think there's anything exceptional or unique about me, and I never felt that there ever was. And I used to ask myself, in fact, I did a commencement address for my other son, our other son, Jake, who just graduated from the University of Wisconsin J School. And what I said to them was, hey, listen, you have to understand what your separation is. And the one thing that I was good at was that I knew that I wasn't really that exceptional or good at anything at all, but I was very, very self-aware. So how are you different? How are you different? Why you? Not so much what is your why, but why you? If everybody in my own major is competing for the same thing, and then everybody in every other college who's in that major is competing for the same thing, and everybody in the workforce is already in the workforce, you know, they're not giving back what they have, why you? And if I can't come up with the answer to that question, then I'm not meant for this job or this calling, why you, why you, what's your separation? And my separation to me, I always thought was, it's got to be in the drive, it's got to be in the preparation, it's got to be in the work ethic. So I've always approached everything like that every single day, and I also want to point this out, I have profound respect for you and your time, and I was not not going to show up and not be ready for a conversation like this one. I think that's very important too. I want you to know how much I respect you and your time, and I would never, ever wing it with anybody, much less somebody of your magnitude.
1: People feel it, man. I feel it. I just, let let me say, I feel that from you. I respect that about you. People know when we're prepared and people know when we see them as a project or when we see them with potential, somebody that we need to treat. I mean, I know what it's like, Jim, to feel unimportant. I think we all do, right? We've been in rooms, we've been in situations where we felt unimportant. You have made a career off of helping other people feel important, and, and you're doing that with me today, and I just want to say it means a lot. And so much of that is because of your preparation and your focus. So, dude,
0: dude you are uh, important. Respect that about you, brother. You are important, brother. You are important. That's why I want you to feel important because you are important. Leave me with this thought. What a great conversation. I mean, it, two thoughts on this, Jordan. Not to get you know too touchy feely about this, but as you probably know, the best interviews are not interviews at all. They are conversations, and it is it awesome that like. Yes, we have similar friends, but that you and I could come together and connect this way, and I knew we would. This is a conversation I think, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we both look forward to this, and it's every bit as good and as useful as I thought it would be. I want you to leave our listeners with this. I know a mentor shared something with you that really resonated with you, and it's something that I learned early on in my career, and that's this. You're never as good or as bad as you think you are what exactly does that mean to you and then why is that so critical for everybody to remember
1: you know it's such a gift jim to be reminded that people aren't thinking about us people aren't thinking about you they're not thinking about me like people just aren't thinking about us as much as we think they are i had a um conversation with Liz Bohannon. Let me give Liz Bohannon a shout out. And she shared this, Jim, and it just rocked me. She was talking about this idea that we can obsess over a mistake that we made, something that we did, a way that we didn't show up. Maybe we dropped the ball. And she said, you know, we we just obsess over the thing that we screwed up. And it actually prevents us from taking action or moving forward or creating the next opportunity. And uh, Liz was telling me that for so many people, they say, Man, it's just my insecurity. You know, I'm just I'm just insecure and I and I'm I can't get over my insecurity. Liz would say this to somebody who was thinking like that. She would say, "Can I help you with that? I actually don't think it's your insecurity. I think it might be your ego." Because the fact that you think people are thinking about you after you dropped the ball, after you made the mistake, after the meeting didn't go well, the fact that You're sitting around thinking that people are thinking about you, popping popcorn, waiting to see what you do next is hilarious. (laughs) You know, like you're not that important. Like I'm not that important. Nobody apart from maybe Jim Rome who's talking to me right now. Maybe my wife, maybe my kids are probably spending any kind of time thinking about me right now. And so I got to get over myself. I'm never as good or as bad as I think I am. I got to kill the ego and just realize that, man, like, um, I'm not that important. Uh, God has given me opportunity. He's given me some skills. I think he wants me to use those in a very specific way to his glory. It's not to build my own kingdom. And as long as I do that, I'm going to be just fine. But I'm not going to be defined by what other people think. And in the minute I start living for their praise, I'll be set up to die by their criticism. And I went through that gym at a really young age. I was living for their praise. And then I died by their criticism. I'm going to be defined by who God says I am, not who any person says I am, and I've just learned that I will I will never be as good or as bad as I think I am.
0: Living for their praise and dying by their criticism is also a great line. So Jordan, people listening, you have built a tremendous brand. You have built a tremendous company slash companies. And you offer a lot of services. What is the best way for somebody listening right now, if they want to learn more about what you do, if they want to bring you in, if they wanted to reach out and access you in any way, what is the best way for our listeners to do so? Where would you direct them?
1: Yeah, go to our website, montgomerycompanies.com to learn more. And I so much appreciate that question, Jim. Thank you for that. I'm fairly active on social media channels on Instagram, at Jordan M as in Michael Montgomery. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. So engage with us via social media. Here's my commitment to anybody listening, Jim. If you send me a direct message, I will respond. I will try to answer questions. I will try to make myself available for anybody who has a question or maybe just needs some encouragement or support. So um, so listen, brother, I, I appreciate that question. And, and, and I do just want to say this before we sign off. It's not every day that you get to talk to somebody who is one of the best in the world at what they do. And you're one of the best in the world at what you do. And it has very little to do with why I'm impressed by you. The reason I'm impressed by you is how you treat people, how you showed up in this conversation. Now, I've heard it from Eric Wood. I've heard it from John Gordon. I've heard it from David Nurse. So, like, man, Jim Rome is the real deal. Like he's just a good dude, good person, cares for people, treats people right. Over the last 44 minutes, man, let me just say, I, I, I feel important I felt welcomed, I felt invited, I felt appreciated, and I just can't thank you enough for having me on your show.
0: I mean, Jordan, I can't say how much that means to me. I mean, I I really, because, you know, nobody really knows anybody and there is a persona, but I think that you are extremely, extremely astute and not in the way you just analyzed me, but I think that this is a gift you have. I think that you read people, not that you're looking to read people, but you just understand, inherently you understand. And I understand fully what you just said. And I appreciate that very much, man. Thank you so much for saying so. Thank you so much for making time. This conversation was everything that I knew it would be and more and most importantly i know there are so many people that are going to hear this and benefit from this and want to go back and re-listen to this and i feel like i just made a really important connection and a really good friend jordan you're the absolute best my man thank you so much for doing that and that was a great great time
1: likewise brother i feel the same i'm in your corner i'm in support of you and again so appreciative to have spent time and been on your show thanks for having me jim
0: Brilliant, brilliant guy. Once again, how many different guests have you heard me ask, is it truly realistic to think that at this stage of my life, my best work and my best life are in front of me and not behind me? And his response may have been, the best to date. I mean, sure. The next person who says, no, old man, you peaked with Jim Roman's burning, is going to be the first. Nobody in this space would ever say that because nobody in this space believes that the best is behind you and not in front of you. However... I love Jordan's response as to why it was so simple, yet so powerful because it's a choice. It's a choice. Your best life is in front of you because you choose it to be just like you choose hard, just like you choose to focus and sustain that focus and focus on all the right things and none of the wrong things. No, we cannot control everything. Shoot. We can't control most things. But we can control our reaction and response to everything. And I choose to turn every adversity that I experience into an opportunity. An opportunity to get tougher, stronger, smarter, and to grow. Because that is my choice. Make it yours. My thanks to Jordan Montgomery, who is truly one of the most dynamic leaders that I've come across, and I can't wait to engage him once again soon. If you appreciate what you just heard, please reach out to Jordan on social media. As you know, he'll respond. He said as much. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this podcast, because that way you will never have to go looking for another episode, and every single app will find you instead. And if you don't mind, leaving a review would be absolutely awesome as well. Have a tremendous week. Thank you for your support and for listening. And I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties.